hallelujah, what a savior we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Before we open the word of God together, let us approach the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this evening asking that your spirit would open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word. Father, in the word, we desire to see the word of life, Christ himself. We know that the spirit desires to glorify Christ. So we ask that the spirit would lift high the name of Jesus tonight. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we have the great honor of worshiping our Savior on Good Friday. And on this day, as we've noted earlier, we remember that our Savior loved us and gave his life for us. And this day is precious. Beloved, the cross never gets old. At least it should, it should never get old. And for all eternity, you and I will be singing the praises of the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. What I want to do is, is come together to the foot of the cross, to the tree, and let us consider what happened there. There was a tree many thousands of years ago, not 2,000 years ago, but many thousands of years ago, a tree in the garden that brought us death. But there is another tree, a bloody tree, that brings us life. And when we eat of the fruit of that tree, we find blessing and life eternal. So to guide our thoughts tonight, I will ask and answer two questions, two questions. What happened to Jesus at the cross? And what happened to me at the cross? First question, what happened to Jesus at the cross? First, Jesus bore my sins on the cross. The Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 24, he, that is Jesus, himself bore, he carried our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Now you notice that Peter doesn't say the cross, but he says the tree. And I think perhaps the reason he does that is to signify the reversal of the curse that came upon us in the garden when Adam and Eve ate from the forbidden tree. And on that tree, not the forbidden tree, but the tree of Calvary, Jesus bore our sins. He carried our sins in his body. You see, there is a burden that you and I can never bear. There is a weight that will crush us if we try 
to shoulder it. Our shoulders are not broad enough. Our resolve is not firm enough. We are incapable of bearing this burden. This burden is our sins. But there is one and only one who can bear that burden. His shoulders are broad enough. His resolve is firm enough. His life is perfect enough to bear that burden. And his name is Jesus. You and I must take the burden of our sins, that burden that would crush us, and we must lay it at the feet of Jesus at the cross. And we say to Jesus, Jesus, I cannot carry this. You must. Jesus bore my sins on the cross. Second, Jesus extinguished God's wrath against me on the cross. You see, the reason we cannot bear the burden of our sin is because God is holy. He is infinitely holy, pure and undefiled by sin. And because he is holy, his anger burns against all that is wicked and defiled. That's you, and that's me. We cannot bear the wrath of God against our sin and survive. But Jesus did. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He, that is Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Who crushed Jesus? God did. 1 John 2, 2, John says, He, that is Jesus, is the propitiation for our sins. And that word means, the word propitiation means that Jesus extinguished, he satisfied the wrath of God against us. On the cross, God the Father put the fullness of his fury against our sins upon his own Son. And for us, there is not one drop of anger left. Because as we read earlier tonight from the book of John, Jesus said, it is finished. When Jesus cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cried that so that you and I would never have to cry that. So what happened to Jesus at the cross? He bore my sins and he extinguished the wrath of God against me. Second question, what happened to me at the cross? First, I am forgiven at the cross forgiven. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 to 14, God made you alive together with him, Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And this he set aside, nailing it to 
the cross. You see, you and I owed a debt to God that we could never pay because we have sinned against an infinitely holy and righteous God and there is a record of the debt that we owe. But what God did was he took that record and he set it aside from you and he nailed it to the cross. Look at this verse. Who nailed that record to the cross? God did. The Romans right, nailed their nails to the cross. But there were unseen nails, invisible to the human eye. There was a record that was put on the cross, unseen to those witnesses there. God nailed that record there. God saw that record there. And because God put the record of our sins there, our debt has been canceled. Totally canceled. And we have been forgiven of all our Trespasses. You see, in this verse, Paul says God has forgiven us not just our trespasses, but all our trespasses. All the wrongs you have ever done, if you believe in Jesus, God took those sins and nailed them to the tree. And I believe that Paul uses that word all because I think you and I believe that we are the exception or that our sins are the exception. Yes, God, you forgave my sins, but what about that one sin? What about that one thing that I did 10 years ago? I still remember that, God. We come to this verse and we read that God has forgiven us of all our trespasses. You are forgiven at the cross. And there, God remembers your sin no more. Second, I am declared righteous at the cross. You see, there was an exchange that happened. Not only did Jesus take my unrighteousness, he gave me his righteousness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, he that is God made him that is Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. When I approach God the Father, I do not come in my filthy rags. I do not come in my sin and in my condemnation. I come in the glorious, spotless righteousness of the perfect Son of God. I need to remember that. And you know what the amazing thing is, beloved? You are dressed in his righteousness if you believe in him, whether in that moment you recognize it or not. So it's not just if I'm thinking about his righteousness, I approach God in the righteousness of Christ. No, if you believe in Christ on your good days and on your bad days, 
when you're walking in the spirit or in the flesh, you are always dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. That my salvation, that my standing before God does not depend on my mood, on whether I am trusting in Christ in that moment. And because of the righteousness of Christ, we are accepted by God. Third, I am cleansed of my sin at the cross. You see, I am not only guilty of my sin in a judicial legal sense, I am defiled at the very depth of my being because of my sin. I am unclean. I need to be washed. Doesn't matter what kind of soap I use, doesn't matter what kind of body wash I use, that will not cleanse me because my defilement is not of the flesh. My defilement is deep in my soul where no one else can see but God himself. The Apostle John says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, cleanses us from, and here is that word again, all sin. The blood of Jesus washes me of all my sin. We are washed of every single sin by the precious blood of Christ. There is no sin in your heart that can permanently stain you. There is no sin in your heart that is permanent. When the blood of Christ cleanses us, we are clean. Now you notice here, John says, if we walk in the light, people who trust in Christ walk in the light. Now, the terrifying and frightening thing about walking in the light of God's presence is that his light shines in my heart. The closer I come to him, the more he exposes my hypocrisy the more he exposes the filth that is within me. Now, growing up, the house that we were in, there was that one shed that we had. Now, you guys know what I'm talking about, that one shed that you have that is rickety and crickety, dirty as anything, right? old as your great-grandfather, filled with your great-grandfather's tools, and the last time anyone saw those tools was your great-grandfather, right? Now, that shed at my old house was dark and filthy. And every single year, we would have to go into that shed to get our Christmas decorations, to decorate the house for Christmas. And it was like, nah, man. <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't want to go. So I would open the shed. It's a metal shed. And there were 
cobwebs and spiders everywhere. It had that smell, you know, that smell of a dirty, wet, old shed. It was like, ooh, I don't want to. Man. But it was me and my brother, and we had to do it. Right? And when we opened that shed, the light would shine in, and we could see what was in there. Beloved, what would happen to us if we came into the light of God's presence? He opened the shed. He shined his light into our heart. And he saw the filth, the cobwebs, the dirt, the mold that was in us. And he left us like that. we would be undone before him. But what if he opened that shed and he washed that shed, took all of the nastiness out, scrubbed it clean, and he himself took residence there. And he says, this is my home, my territory. I am living here. I am never going to let it become what it used to be. Because this is where I am. That is what God does to us. How? By the blood of of Jesus, which cleanses us from all our sins. There are some of you tonight who feel the guilt and the shame and the defilement of your sin. Places in your heart that you dare not look. You are afraid to let God in there. But he sees and he knows the Spirit of God must shine in your heart. You must open your heart and allow the Spirit to search you so that the blood of Jesus would cleanse you. So if you feel that the Spirit is moving upon you tonight, there is that sin in your heart that you just don't want to let go. I plead with you. Open your heart. Let your defenses down. And let God search you and know you and see if there is any harmful way in you so that he might make you new. We are cleansed of our sin at the cross. Fourth, I am set free from sin at the cross. I'm not only guilty of sin, I'm not only defiled by sin, I am a slave of sin apart from Christ. And when sin comes calling, I am powerless to say no because my flesh is under the power 
power and domination of sin. Sin is my master, and I am its slave. But at the cross, I was set free. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verses 6 to 7, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Sin is not my master anymore. God is. Because I am set free at the cross. The power of sin was broken because my sinful flesh was done away with when Jesus died. Fifth, I died at the cross. Now you've got to know something about me. There was, past tense, I reiterate past tense, in old Luke, I am ashamed and appalled at old Luke. I remember a couple years ago meeting someone that I went to high school with. This is after I'd graduated from college. And I was just telling him where I was in life. He's like, what? <laughs> you? Like, like what happened? Christ got a hold of me. I am not who I used to be. And I praise God for that. What happened to old Luke? Old Luke died. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Old Luke died. I was crucified with Christ. You see, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, it wasn't just him. I was there with him. And I was put to death. And now it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Life is not about me anymore. You see, before Christ got a hold of me, it was all about me. My coolness, my popularity, my wishes, my ambitions, my pleasure, my sin. But now, life is about Jesus. It's about his plan for my life, his will, his strength, his glory, his fame, his praise. So when I go to the cross, I am reminded that I died there and Jesus now lives in me. You must go to the cross every day and remember that you died there.
Christ now lives in you. Number six, I am reconciled to God at the cross. Sin is awful. Its consequences are horrific. Sin twists, it mars, it destroys. What was the greatest thing that sin destroyed? What was it? The greatest thing that sin destroyed was our relationship with God. Our fellowship with God was destroyed by sin. Our relational intimacy with him was replaced with hostility. Love was replaced with enmity. We needed to be reconciled to God. Our relationship needed to be restored. Now, if there's anything that you and I know in this world, it is conflict. Conflict even with the people we love the most. Our closest friends, our spouse, our parents. We experience the full spectrum of relationship with them. We are close with them. And siblings can, you know, be close in this way with one another as well. When we are close to someone, when we experience the richness of relationship with someone else, when we experience conflict with that person, it's awful. It's like, man, what, what happened? What happened to the, to the warm and fuzzies? What happened to the closeness of our friendship? What happened? Adam and Eve used to experience perfect fellowship with God. But one day, God came looking for them, and they ran away from him. The first time fear is mentioned in the Bible is from the lips of Adam. He said, I, God, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Adam and Eve and all of their children need to be reconciled to God. And at the cross, I am reconciled to him. Colossians 1, 19 to 20. Paul says, for in him, Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. At the cross, we were reconciled to God. There is no more hostility, no more enmity. There is now peace, and that is a blood-bought peace. You are at peace with God if you believe in Jesus. And more importantly, God is at peace with you. So we are reconciled to God at the cross. Seventh and finally, what happened to us at the cross? I find my only grounds for boasting at the cross. 
we have come to the foot of the cross tonight, haven't we? We have seen what has happened to Jesus and what has happened to us. How should we respond? We must boast. We must glory and rejoice and exult in Christ crucified for sinners. Galatians 6.14. Paul says, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. God made us to boast. He made us to be proud. The question is, in what are we boasting? May we glory, may we boast only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because here at the cross, we boast not in what we have done for God, but what God has done for us. Let's pray. Father, may we boast, may we exult, may we rejoice only in the cross of Christ. Because there you forgave us, you justified us, you cleansed us, you set us free from sin, you reconciled us to you. Our old selves died. And now we can boast in what you have done for us, in what Christ has accomplished on our behalf. Father, may we consider today Good Friday because of what Christ has done for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.